electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Bring in show music, please. This is Squawk Pod, and I'm CNBC producer Cameron Costa. Today in our podcast, unpacking Microsoft's moves into the metaverse with former Microsoft CEO Steve Ballmer. That investment we made in Xbox 20 years ago and what that meant for gaming at Microsoft has been really good for the bottom line in this Activision deal. I think it's fantastic. And speaking of Activision Blizzard, the lucky timing of Berkshire Hathaway's own Activision buy raised eyebrows on Wall Street. But Warren Buffett is setting the record straight. Warren Buffett is inside information. He does not need to use inside information. Those stories, plus updates from both the Russia-Ukraine border and the Canadian border. And we're treating you to a lighter discussion for this Friday. Vinegar and onion fries, the uh, the loaded chili cheese fries. Just as long as they're not soggy. I like a crispy fry. I have become a connoisseur. It is Friday, February 18th, 2022. Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand Becky by in three, two, one, cue please. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Mr. Warner, Mr. Warnock, Ms. Warren, Mr. Whitehouse, Mr. Wicker, Mr. Wyden, Mr. Young. Senators voting in the affirmative. On this vote, the yeas are 65, the nays are 27. The 60-vote threshold having been achieved, the bill is passed. Let's talk about Congress, because it has now averted a government shutdown at least for three weeks. Now, last night, the Senate passed a short-term government funding bill, sending it to President Biden's desk a day before that shutdown deadline. The bill will keep the government running through March 11th. That's the date to watch. The Senate now takes a week-long recess. We'll then have to negotiate and approve a new spending bill before that next deadline. An update now. On the protests over COVID restrictions in downtown Ottawa, police moved in last night and began making arrests, hoping to end uh, weeks of gridlock in Canada's capital. Police have been warning protesters over the last two days that their uh, blockade was illegal, threatened arrests, seizures uh, of their vehicles and other penalties. Protesters say one of their main Organizers, T-U-H-M-A-R-E-U-H, all in quotation marks. T- see that? How would you say that? Uh, wouldn't you rather have T-A-M-A-R-A in there, Mac? Tamara. Right, Tamara. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> was in, among those uh, arrested, she had emerged as the public face and most visible leader of the trucker convoy against uh, pandemic restrictions. I, I thank you for that. Sort of a little helper, Andrew. We all need a little help. Always need a little help. Sometimes the help helps, sometimes the help doesn't help. Let's talk about shares of Shake Shack because they are falling. The company said it will take a revenue hit in the first quarter as the Omicron uh, variant kept diners away and led to temporary restaurant closures. Analysts said that the uh, Omicron impact was more acute for Shake Shack because it's less geographically diversified 
than its competitors. Shake Shack said it would raise prices in March to help offset some of the higher costs for foods and paper products and labor. It raised prices back in October already by about 3%. So um, I know we were having that debate about French fries. Joe, do you remember that? Yeah. I don't know if was weighing in on that yeah. debate. I, I don't Finn, think Finn I'd, is better. I wouldn't think Finn I'd is say. Better. Yeah. I would not say that the worst French fry is great, like I would say about tacos. Although though, I've had a bad one at, at Chipotle. But I like French fries. I mean, I'm open to uh, variety as far as the fries, aren't you? The scalloped ones, the uh, vinegar and onion fries, the, uh, the loaded chili cheese fries. Um, God, I sound like four. Just know as they're not soggy. I like a crispy Soggy's fry. bad. Soggy can happen to good ones if they sit there. Right. To, you know the trick, Andrew, right? Order them with no salt. Then they have to make them. Then they have to make, then they have to make them new. You learn something every day. Then you have to make them new. Then you put your own salt on generously. Fascinating. Generously. Well, from a scientific perspective, why is that the case? Because there's, they have to make them fresh for you. They all, yeah, Everything's they salt pre-salted. On. Oh, oh. Oh, I thought there was actually uh. <laughs> no, a sogginess that I'm comes slow. from the salt. It's, it's, it's 6.05 in the morning. <laughs> I, I get it. I, mean, I thought maybe if you add the salt after, it makes them. Any, okay. I have become a connoisseur because c- my son, we need, we need French fries with, with things. Um, I don't like the kind that are compost. Have you seen those? And a lot of restaurants have those. I don't know compost. if compost is the right word, but... They're not actual whole potatoes that have been cut into fries and then fried. There's some type of, you can just tell they're not, they're, they're, they've been reassembled from like, like chicken crushed up, ones? yeah, from crushed up potatoes. Yeah. And they get greasier know. and they're, 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 they're definitely not as good. And we can, we can see those, we, we can detect those immediately at this point. We're going to talk about the Russian invasion. I'm so confused about Russia now. I told you guys it was going to happen after the Olympics. This is what happened in Crimea 2014 after the Russian Olympics in Sochi. I read your paper again today, and the Biden strategy is to, if they overhype it, fine. They're trying to, uh, to, to use this to sort of force Putin's hand to either go or get off the uh, commode, uh, mm-hmm. I, I guess. And they're, they're willing to take the chance that if he doesn't do it and they've hyped it and it prevents him from doing it, they're willing to take the flack for saying that they oversold it. And that kind of, I kind of see a logic to that. But um, I don't know if they're overselling it or not, but right. yesterday you said you, we shouldn't believe the Russians, which we shouldn't. No, we c- can never believe them. Well, don't and you the like truth the, is, nobody knows exactly what Putin is thinking here. Don't you like the new word disinformation? Instead of misinformation. It's lying, right? It's yeah. lying. Yeah. It's just, it's lying. And, and actually, one of the papers today, I think it was the Washington Post, that one of them actually used the word lie. Maybe it was USA Today. They actually used the word lie. Uh, in which, regards to what the Russians are saying. Yeah, in yeah. regards to what, the, but it is, I mean, it, it is strange what, what you're seeing in those separatist areas, because the shelling's increasing, and they're, they're, they're going like this, you shelled us, we shelled you, and, and it's just impossible, the fog of war, it's impossible to tell. But that's why it's so dangerous to have troops lined up on either side of the border, because you don't know what's going to happen in a situation like that. An accident could lead to a major world <laughs> incursion. If you were us, or, the, or if you were Ukrainian, would you agree to not entering NATO to... Well, no, uh, they're not going to give up their sovereign rights to that. 
But wouldn't you want to, if you wanted long-term stability, wouldn't you yes. think being in NATO the, would help you? So well, why if, should you we just You would want the idea of being able to be in NATO just to have it there to protect you from some, to some extent. Right. So why, that's the bargaining chip, supposedly, that, that Putin needs to right. completely pull back. But, and I don't but know what, if I were... What, what, uh, someone, I don't know if it was us or one of our allies, maybe somebody in NATO, who said, look, we, we can't tell them that they can never petition for, to, to come into NATO. We can't go and That's tell what them what he's trying that. to do, right. I, I think. Oh, I don't know. It clearly I'm, isn't. I'm, I'm totally confused. It's an enigma wrapped in a riddle. And it, 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 I heard someone saying yesterday, Putin never lived in the West. He has no idea how we think. We have no idea how he thinks. I hope it doesn't happen. Um, I heard they were moving, like, blood units in. Did yeah. you read that? I did. I mean, the whole thing. Next on Squawk Pod, taxes, tech, and the metaverse. Former Microsoft CEO Steve Ballmer is still betting on this tech horse. I'm expecting to ride the Microsoft train myself. We'll be right back. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. This is Squawk Pod with Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross-Sorkin. And me, I'm Cameron Costa. Here's Andrew. We are getting a brand new viewpoint this morning on a vast trove of government data. USA Facts, the nonpartisan data gathering site founded by former Microsoft COST bomber, is out with its third annual State of the Union in Numbers report among the data points that it is highlighting the economy adding 6.7 million jobs last year. That's a rebound from 9.3 million lost in 2020 and government public health spending dropping by a fifth from 2020. But Nearly one out of every 715 people in the U.S. died from COVID. Joining us right now, first here on Squawk Box, USA Facts founder and former Microsoft CEO uh, Steve Ballmer. Of course, he's also the chairman of the Los Angeles Clippers. Good morning to you, sir. Nice to see you. Good morning, Andrew. How are you doing? Uh, I'm great. Let's, let's talk about these numbers. And before we even talk about these numbers, let's talk about the importance of these numbers, because one of the things that's been fascinating to me, and I don't know if many of our viewers have noticed, but you, know, you go on places like Facebook uh, and others, and even topics now around inflation and things that seem to be very fact-specific are getting labeled as misinformation uh, and, and, and the like in the same way that they were labeling things in the world of politics and the world of COVID. What do you make of that? Well, it's nothing short of insane in my view. I think we have such really good people uh, in our government, state, federal, and local, who work on assembling and collecting data. They're statistical experts. Sometimes the data is a little slow coming out. Sometimes it's a little bit hard 
uh, for government to appropriately integrate because we have such a fractured government. But I believe strongly in the professionalism of those folks. And if you want to go to a definitive source of data, we're better to turn. So it really drives me a little nuts what you're saying. What, in terms of the numbers this year, in terms of the annual report, what was the thing that stuck out for you that surprised you? Well, I would say a couple things surprised me. Uh, the public health spending went up and it went down. Uh, it surprised me to see that while Medicaid spending was up versus, and I'm going to do everything versus 2019, Andrew, it's the only sane year to, to take a look at, unless I tell you specifically like public health. Medicaid spending was up from 2019, but not that dramatically in the grand in the grand scheme of things. That surprised me. Uh, the employment numbers, everybody's really trying to understand. Where are we? How many people are unemployed? What is it about all these job openings? Where have we seen job losses? We've seen job losses, actually, the biggest job losses are in education and local government. And you stop and think about that, particularly since well, local and state tax revenues went down 1.1% the year before 2019 to 2020. They're up 19% this year, plus you know all of the uh, transfers they get from the federal government. It is super surprising to me. When you think about inflation that you're actually seeing in your role as the owner of the Clippers and in your role as an investor, what are you seeing? I mean, how... How prominent is it? Do you think there's a way to get a handle on it? Yeah, I mean, obviously, we're seeing inflation. We are uh, building a stadium for the Clippers uh, as we as we speak, if you will. We're early in the project, and yet we see, as everybody else does, uh, an increase in, in commodity prices. Do I expect that to abate? Well, we don't forecast and prognosticate at USA Facts. But in my role as an executive, I think we have to plan uh, for further inflation. Now, the good news, the good news, which is surprising, real wages have actually gone up from 2019 to, uh, to today. They've only gone up about 1.6%, but you add in inflation and total wages are up over 10%, which thank goodness, wages are keeping up with inflation. But when you look at demand, to, by the way, demand for tickets, uh, you know, to sit on sit, sit courtside, people are paying up in, in crazy ways. What do you think that's a function? Yeah, that's of? true for that's true for courtside seats. We still have what I'll call a little bit of a COVID hangover, at least at the Clippers, where people are not coming to the games the way they did two years ago. Uh, as people get more comfortable with where we are COVID wise, I would expect uh, to see a reversal there relatively quickly. We still have uh, indoor mask mandates in Los Angeles County. That makes things a little bit more difficult for our fans. I uh, want to pivot for a second back to your old employer, Microsoft. Uh, the big deal that everybody's talking about, Microsoft Activision. Um, you've, you've had a, a hand in, in, in Microsoft's strategy around gaming in the past. What do you think of the deal? I think it is fantastic. Um, I think it really, besides all the financial goodies, should be accretive from the from the beginning, from the get-go. I mean, Activision has three phenomenal franchises. And I think that is great for Microsoft as a gaming company. It'll continue to make Microsoft more competitive with some of the bigger companies that are out there. 
like Sony, still a little bit bigger. But that investment we made in Xbox 20 years ago and what that meant for gaming at Microsoft has been really good for the bottom line in this Activision deal, I think is fantastic. How much do you think it's driven by actually gaming, like the here and now versus the metaverse? Are you living in the metaverse yet? I'm not, I'm not totally in the metaverse, I have to say, although it was pretty cool. We went to our construction site uh, for the stadium. I put on goggles in the middle of the construction site, and I literally could see where various suites were, the floor was. You know, it's, it's pretty cool when you can get there. Now, will the metaverse take over my life? Uh, I'll bet not. Will it take over my kids' lives? Even there, I'll bet you not. And yet there'll be a lot of good applications, I think, that come out of metaverse-style thinking. Hey, Steve, just to follow up on the Microsoft Activision deal, um, you, you were at Microsoft when there were so many years of the government kind of combing through with antitrust issues, giving you guys a lot of grief with these things. Big tech in general has been in the crosshairs from Washington. Do you think that this deal will have any trouble getting approved on an antitrust basis? And, um, you know, the company's plan for kind of addressing that, what do you think of it? By the way, you're still the largest shareholder of Microsoft, aren't you? Yeah, yes, I am. Um, so I care a lot about these things, even though I'm not at Microsoft and I'm not an antitrust expert, although uh, I know just a little bit about it. And I would say in this case, uh, without being an expert, there are two key things. Number one, Microsoft is far from the largest player in this business and won't be post, post acquisition. Uh, that would seem to me a basis for clearance. And I think Microsoft's been appropriately proactive about talking about the Activision games remaining cross-platform, uh, making sure that there's no favoritism uh, in their actions there. So I'm, you know, I'll be uh, more than cautiously optimistic that they should get this thing approved. Hey, Steve, I have a, a, a sports social justice question, um, and I ask it to you because obviously you took over the Clippers after uh, the fallout from the comments that Donald Sterling had made. And what do you make of uh, the allegations uh, by, by Brian Flores in, in the context of the NFL? And how do you think the, the NFL should react? Uh, that's a little bit tough for me to comment on since I'm not an NFL owner. I can talk about that from, a, uh, from an NBA perspective. And, you know, if you take a look at our head coaches, the expansion, the number of African-American coaches, which was not small, but I would say six out of the last seven or something of that nature of coaches hired have been African-American. How the NFL got itself in this problem, um, hard to say, uh, hard for me to say. Uh, I'd be quite sure that there's a number of great African-American coaches out there, and yet there's no one NFL to speak for that. It's the actions of a set of owners uh, in our league that's worked out. That's worked out super well. We have a phenomenal coach, a phenomenal coach and uh, uh, African-American coach. Uh, actually, we would have won a lot less games this year. So I know there's a lot of talent out there like Ty Lue. Hey, Steve, can we go back to the beginning of this conversation, just taking a look at data? Because, you know, I've always been a big fan of government data, too. But I've been really surprised and disappointed by the quality of some of this data coming through with COVID. Um, the CDC was collecting the numbers on who was getting COVID, when and how, how many deaths were out there with these things. Um, 
But it was really unclear the quality of that data because it was coming from different states, different counties, different ways of collecting, different time frames for collecting. Um, and then you got into the point with Omicron where people were doing home testing, too, and that didn't pick up any of the home testing numbers. I, I just feel like we don't have any sort of a handle on, on uh, at least accurately what was happening. And I'm surprised at how antiquated the CDC system is for collecting this stuff. Yeah, I'll tell you a little bit. Early on uh, in COVID, in early 2020, at USA Facts, we put together a collection system for COVID data at the county level. Uh, we had software that would go munch through data at the county level. Heck, there was one county where our people were literally calling the county sheriff every day because that was the only person who had the COVID data. CDC was, was relying on us on some of their data. Now, was that data perfect? Was everything being captured? You know, I don't know. I agree with you today that there are so many more positive tests that we don't know about. But you can ask, how would the CDC collect that data? Good question. You can also say uh, that maybe nowadays the more important data is the hospitalization data and the death data, given the vaccines that are out there, which I think are important, and CDC publishes it. At the end of the day, though, you have to remember, Becky, that this is a we are a federation of governments and the CDC, the federal government doesn't have control over all data collection. Uh, I happen to think having more influence would be a good thing, not only on health data, but a lot of other data sets that uh, government collects. They're just so inconsistent sometimes across our our jurisdictions. What do you think the cost would be? to solve the data problem, meaning if, if as, as someone who's a data scientist and cares about this stuff, if we were to redo all the systems, and look, we've, we've had debates about even just redoing the IRS's computer system, but if, if you could do it to the max, what would it actually cost? And how much do you think it might actually save by having the right numbers? Would, would the math ever make, make up for itself? Oh, I think the math would make up for itself very nicely. I can't give you a, an exact estimate, but my guess would be tens of millions, maybe a hundred million at the federal level. The big problem, Andrew, the biggest problem is how does the federal government get timely data that's reported with some consistency from California, from Florida, from Washington state? Uh, that is the problem, and there aren't as many levers for the federal government to use for, for those purposes. Uh, jobs data, easy, because there's a connection through the IRS to, to everybody who has a job. Uh, criminal justice data, harder to get. State finances, they're all out there. The collection process is well over a year. Now, would we get an ROI? Heck, in business, you just never could fly as blind. You just could not fly as blind uh, and, not, and get good outcomes. So I can't imagine that there's not plenty of upside in terms of outcomes and finances for better data collection. Hey, Steve, uh, finally, you mentioned the state of Washington. I believe you're still a resident there. And I just wanted to ask you about uh, the new capital gains tax, 7% uh, for high earners uh, that came this year. Last year, we saw Satya Nadella sell half of his stock, actually, uh, before uh, in November. Jeff Bezos sold about $10 billion. Uh, you saw the Gateses gifting about $15 billion. What, what do you make of uh, what is happening in the state of Washington? And I should probably ask you, did you sell any ahead of that? Um, other than what I do every year for our, for our philanthropic activities, no. It turns out I not only 
give some away. I buy it back, Andrew, because I just don't want to get out of Microsoft, not, not a lick. Uh, it's probably important to, to, to emphasize it's not a tax on wage earners. It's only a tax on capital gains. Uh, I know, though, I know. I suspect there'll be a constitutional challenge on it in the state of Washington, um, the way our Constitution's written. We'll see. Uh, I guess I understand for folks who think they need a lot of uh, additional money for their spending power to, to take sales now. I'm expecting to ride the Microsoft train myself and uh, be a good steward of that money, whether it's for uh, government, for philanthropy, and of course, to some degree for my kids. Steve Ballmer, it's always great to talk to you. We really appreciate it. And uh, folks should check out uh, USA Facts this morning. It's a really fascinating report. Thanks. Thanks, Andrew. You guys be well. Cheese will be next. Up next, an update to a story we first brought to you a few days ago. Warren Buffett and video games? The Berkshire Hathaway stake in Activision Blizzard, questioned by the Wall Street Journal, and then clarified by Warren Buffett himself. We need to make sure that we correct things quickly when we screw it up. People screw up, people make mistakes, but it's kind of on us to make sure that we correct those things and loudly. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. Stand back, you bye. You're listening to Squawk Pod from CNBC. Here, please. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Berkshire Hathaway's Warren Buffett is trying to set the record straight after an article in the Wall Street Journal earlier this week insinuated that Berkshire Hathaway may have had inside information on the Microsoft Activision deal. At issue, Bush, Berkshire took a $1 billion stake in the video game giant in the fourth quarter of last year. Weeks later, Microsoft bought that company or made a bid to buy the company for more than $68 billion. The timing of that raised eyebrows at The Wall Street Journal because of Buffett's decades-long friendship with Microsoft co-founder Bill Gates, although Gates did resign from both Microsoft's and Berkshire's board back in 2020. Yesterday, Buffett took the unusual step of writing a letter to reporters to clear up the misconceptions. He said the purchases of Activision were made by one of his two independent investment managers, meaning either Todd Combs or Ted Weschler. He said about 85 percent of the position was acquired in October and that the purchases were finished in November with a cost average of about $77. Buffett wrote, when Microsoft files its proxy materials on uh, its proposed purchase of Activision, I would be surprised if they even had discussed a proposal with Activision in early October, although I do not know. Buffett also points out that the $77 a share purchase price 
could have been replicated at about $78 a share after the Microsoft proposal was announced, and it was no bonanza of any, sh- of any sort for Berkshire. Um, Andrew, this is interesting because in this situation, um, look, he, he spoke to the Wall Street Journal reporter off the record before the article was published several times during the day. The journal went ahead and published this article anyway, insinuating that the price had been much lower, $66 or something. And that article was up for so long during the course of the day that other places picked it up too. CNN, Fortune, The New York Post, they all ran with this story kind of saying, ooh, look at the timing on this, interesting timing, and look at the price, even though the information was wrong with that. And I, I think that gets to this idea. It's always been out there. If you don't correct a story promptly or quickly, it can get out there. But with the internet, it's, it's almost like a hydra. Even though the journal changed the story much later, 10 or 12 hours later, it was too late. The story had been replicated. It's everywhere. You can cut off one head, but you can't cut all of them. And I think that's why he made this unusual step of reaching out to a lot of places, a lot of media publications, a lot of reporters to say, let's make sure this story is correct. And in fact, he said he's going to be posting that letter on the Berkshire Hathaway website to make sure that nobody can come back in the event he's not here to clear it up himself and say that this is what happened. Right. Two, two quick notes, just because I've done a lot of reporting around the transaction at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, the truth is that I don't believe the negotiations actually did believe. He's probably right. I mean, I, I know he's right. Yeah. Uh, I don't believe the negotiations began. I don't think there was an offer made in October uh, when these uh, stock sales or stock it, it, purchases it, it, he were made. made. These, the, the, the offer didn't come until after Activision shares I, dropped precipitously right. after the journal wrote these stories about, about it. That was, late November. No, was late November in terms of the actual timing. Yeah. So I think onto itself, that should, that, that should clear the air. And we talked about it on the air the day uh, that the disclosure was made about the Berkshire, Berkshire buying, that it wasn't actually Warren, um, or at least I remember we were speculating that, you know, that, it, was, that it was a Todd or a Ted uh, acquisition. I would speculate it was probably Todd, but that's my own, uh, my own guess. And nonetheless, I, 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 but nonetheless, people, you know, speculate about all sorts of uh, all sorts of craziness, but I'm glad that they cleared it up. You, you tell me and, that there's um, someone that actually thought that Warren Buffett was going to trade on, on inside information. It's, it's, yeah. Warren Buffett is inside information. He, he, if he wants Goldman Sachs to pay him 12% during the financial crisis, they'll pay him 12%. He does not need <laughs> to use inside information. He is inside. He, he's, that's just, it's absurd, even the idea that he, especially when he's, wor- he's you know, how old? He's going to start that now 90. when he's worth yeah. 90 and he's worth, uh, I don't even know. It's uh, like and he's, he's going to, hey, I heard a yeah. tip in Microsoft. That's just it's ridiculous. It, it is, but it, I think what's more concerning is just in this era of fake news accusations being thrown out. Misinformation. Misinformation, things happening like that, you know. We need to make sure that we correct things quickly when we screw it up. People screw up, people make mistakes, but it's kind of on us to make sure that we correct those things and loudly. The crazy thing is, I I know he sent that that letter to CNN, to Fortune, to the New York Post, and the New York Post, which has this bad rap for being a tabloid newspaper without really having anybody checking anything, is the only one that I saw that actually corrected it properly and put the entire story out, saying, here's what happened. Take the New York um, Post over CNN any day. Well, CNN still had a story this morning when I was looking that suggested, oh, look at the timing. It's still pretty interesting, even though that's out there. The New York Post wrote a TikTok that said, here's what we learned. Here's what happened afterwards. Here, here's how it went out. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe, People have different views of different newspapers. Yeah. The New York Post wouldn't be the one I'd point a finger at, but let's not mention any names. Yeah. 
Just saying. I mean, New York Post on. corrected it fully and accurately. Did you did you did you see a report about this? I don't think so. <laughs> no. I, In look, the Times. What, where do you want me to start with other stuff? I think we're getting off point there, but anyway, <laughs> trying to clear up the story and trying to make sure that uh, people know what really happened. Uh, let's. Can I just say let's, let's all enjoy Friday and enjoy the weekend because I guarantee you Monday is going to be here so fast. We're off work um, on Monday. It's closed. We are. Stock markets. Let's do a three day. <laughs> let's make it three. That's the podcast for today and for the week. Thank you for listening, as always, and enjoy the long weekend ahead. Squawk Pod will be off on Monday for President's Day. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 a.m. Eastern to get the smartest takes and analysis from our TV show right into your ear. Listen and follow Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts. We'll meet you back here on Tuesday. Have a great long weekend. We are clear. Thanks, guys. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.